I'm Michael Pardue. And I'm Justin Smith. And this is the Just Ministry podcast brought to you by Educational Design and Development. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We want to welcome you to the Just Ministry podcast. My name is Michael Pardue. I'm joined in our studio with Justin Smith. We're the host of this new podcast that is going to focus on practical ministry. So we're not going to be talking about denominational politics. We're not going to be talking a whole lot about uh, culture wars and things like that. It's kind of not on our radar. We want to talk about practical ministry and trying to be of assistance to pastors and to uh, ministry leaders, to lay leaders, Sunday school teachers, whatever area of ministry, what we are considering is practical. And we uh, are running the Just Ministry uh, website. You can find our blog there. We've got contributors from uh, different parts of our country uh, and, and, in fact, some international contributors uh, that are going to be posting there talking about practical ministry in their context. And so that's what we're wanting to do. So, Justin... Uh, here we are. Uh, Justin and I have been uh, working together for a while now. We attended seminary together. Uh, we're going to have some other folks that we went to seminary with, and uh, we just want to dive right in and start today on the first topic of understanding your culture. And we're thinking about pastors who come into a new ministry. How do you how do you navigate that? So, Justin, uh, you mm-hmm. uh, moved here. We are in rural foothills of North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can hear that in my accent, I'm sure. And Justin, though, is from Charlotte, grew up there. Mm-hmm. And so, Justin, how did you approach that when you came to uh, this area, rural Burke County, North Carolina foothills, in understanding your context? Yeah, um, I wish I could say I approached it perfectly at first, but I think I had to learn the hard way that it's different to go from one place to another. There are some things that just aren't the same. Um, You know, of course, coming from Charlotte, um, everything was as close as you needed. You could could find a Walmart on every corner. You could find any kind of store you wanted. If if you needed to get a hold of somebody, they were always available. That's not always the case when you move into a rural area. And just getting used to the flow of life, I think, was a big difference. Uh, Church services in in Charlotte, you, you had a fairly regular scheduled time, and and people were usually, you know, within reason prompt. I tell you, that was one of the biggest things I joked about when I first moved to Burke County was this whole idea of there's a Burke County time. You know, it's like things don't actually start at 6 o'clock. It's, well, we'll start to get around 6 o'clock, and then about 6.15 we'll get started, and it's okay if we go a little bit behind because it's Burke County time. Things like that are, are just logistically different. So that was a good introduction to saying that, that you're just not in the same kind of place. Yeah, I, I think we see that at our own church. Yeah. We we have service that starts at 9 a.m., and we actually start our countdown clock at 9 a.m. <laughs> uh, so so we, have a, you know, we have a five-minute countdown clock, yeah. and we start it at 9 a.m. because we know that that's going to be, um, that's going to be reality. Yeah. So even, even people are here, 
on campus, but don't right. make it into the sanctuary until uh, you know nine oh five, nine oh eight sometimes. Yeah. And so uh, that's a huge difference. What about the difference in an urban and a rural setting? So Charlotte is mm-hmm. you know, very much an urban area. Yeah. Um, even though it's in the south, it's it's still you know you've got major league sports, you've got um, traffic. I mean, you've got the the urban you know a million people yeah. in in kind of Mecklenburg County area there, and then you come here. Yeah. Um, to, you know, you were in Valdez and now yeah. ministering here at our church in Eichard, right. uh, which by the way, Eichard is one stop on the interstate. <laughs> and so, uh, so there is, isn't really a town. Um, and so There's what's, literally one stop light. Yeah, one, one stop light. So, so how do you approach that? How does that, what makes the difference yeah. there? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I think uh, there, there are some commonalities between city and, and rural life. Uh, they probably go to a lot of places, but but I, I think really what what surprises you is how different each individual place is. Even even within going from um, two small towns, like going from a place like Valdez to a place like Eichert, even that is somewhat different. It, it's it really speaks to kind of the the whole point that uh, we're trying to to cover in this initial podcast. With you have to consider so much when you talk about culture. Um, sometimes we're tempted just to really put it into a box and say like, well, this area is more a single culture. This is all a bunch of uh, this socioeconomic condition, and they're all this one race. And you move, you know, the the easy answer would be to say like a a city setting is multicultural. It's multi-economic. There, there's within the same church, you'd have someone that was very, very well wealthy and well-to-do, and someone who is barely scraping by on an intense amount of assistance. It's it's very rangy in a lot of city churches. They they have a lot more diversity around um, because there's so many more people closer. You have to deal with so many other cultures. But in saying that, um, I think sometimes by by saying that the city church is one way and the the country church is more of another way, we kind of miss that. Like even within country churches, there are differences there. There's there's some places um, within Valdez that were very much uh, very much felt like a city church. And there's some places around here that that uh, are closer to places like Hickory or, or other what we might call larger areas, more densely, more urban areas um, that feel very much like a rural church. And so I, every church is so unique and it's so different. I, I think one of the things that really is different in a rural setting um, is because there's there's there are so many areas, especially in the South, that have just grown up with this background of going to church. Um, it, it's different in that you go and talk to somebody and they all can relate to a certain church. You know, I grew up going here. I grew up going there. I, whether they go there now or not is, is beside the point. You say, I, I work at First Baptist, whatever. There's, oh, yeah, I went there. My grandma went there. In Charlotte, that was never the case. In Charlotte, it was always, well, if I go to churches here, but there's a lot of people that just don't even go to a church. Right, so there's a right. lot of you know, we might call them more unreached people. Um, you don't have that as much in a rural area, ironically. There there are unreached people, but even those that really don't go to a church, they, they oftentimes will say, well, you know, I, I grew up here, or I went to that church, and they kind of identify with the church. So you really learn. I, I feel like in a rural area, you have to be a lot more careful when you're out in public because when people associate you with the church, they really are associating you with a broader community. Whereas in Charlotte, if they they don't really associate you with it in a city setting, it's more just well, what do you do as a job? They don't associate you per se with the church. Right, right. 
Well, one of the things, and we've um, we've posted um, a post on the blog today, kind of about this topic, and kind of geared toward pastors. And so, this is something I'm going to write on in a couple different uh, posts. Uh, but the first one for pastors is thinking about what do you do when you make that transition, because I think it's easy for us to think, okay, we we know our ministry and we know what we're doing. And so we can just take that and apply it, you know, kind of wherever we go. So we take our show on the road and it plays in every city the same way. But that's not the case because we we may have. Uh, so, for instance, my previous church, a very traditional church, uh, the church was over 180 years old. Um, and most of the folks at the church were older. And so they had a different um, mindset. They did things a little bit differently than the church I pastor now. And it would have been very easy to say, well, the church that has called me, they've seen what I've been doing. They've seen my ministry. They've heard me preach. They've, they've heard me describe what's going on. And so what they're really wanting me to do is just to come yeah. and do that same thing here. And sometimes churches do say they want that, but they really don't. Uh, or at least they really shouldn't <laughs> want that, um, even if they, they say that. And so you have to go into a new context and really uh, stop and um, look at what's going on, look at the, the community, look at the church, look at their history, look at their traditions, uh, look at all of the things that they do, and then begin to, I would say, after an extended period of time, uh, then begin to um, make the plans and make the the decisions and start you know moving things you know this works we let's keep doing this let's strengthen this this is not really working this is why they are you know where they are or what has happened to them and so you know how do we work to to fix this or to change this um, but that takes time. Uh, I think I mentioned in the article, you almost have to be you know, the anthropologist who goes out and studies uh, really a culture that is completely foreign to them. Because what I've found, I grew up here in the foothills of North Carolina, just 30 minutes away from here. And yet where we are sitting right now is a completely different world than where I grew up. So, so there's some things that are, um, there are some commonalities, yeah. but at the same time, there are it's very different and it would be easy to look on a map and say, well, they're very close. Again, the, the people may look the same uh, racially. There may even be some economic similarities. Uh, so everything must be the same. And I can just come in and do what I did there, but that would be a real misunderstanding of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think you, you hit on a big point to say, like, what is the culture you're considering? If you're, if you're coming in like an anthropologist, what is the, the anthropology that you're studying? I, so far, we, we've talked a lot about just differences in kind of the external out atmosphere, the environment around the churches. But, but in reality, the, the internal culture is very different. Um, I, I know your church is an example. If you'd, when I walked in here, just assuming where it is, uh, geographically, kind of knowing the other churches in the area. When I walked here in here the first time to to preach for a Sunday, I, I remember coming in thinking like it's going to be more like a traditional church. It's it's an older church, the size, the way it is around here. I I figured it'd be like I'm going to have to wear my suit and tie and that sort of thing. And when you walk in and say like, whoa, everybody in here's in jeans, like like it's just kind of a, it's a much more casual environment than I would have thought. It threw me for a loop for a bit, and I, I think it's a good good reminder that that there are cultural differences within the church and and I think a lot of times as a leader as a new pastor coming in 
the hardest thing to find out you you can figure out external things pretty quickly like you can figure out what you should wear what what are kind of big traditions that are kept and that sort of thing. those things come quickly what what's hard a lot of times and what takes time is to get that kind of leadership culture you you got to figure out who the real leaders of a church are and and it doesn't take very long in any organization to figure out that just because someone's listed as the chair of a committee does not mean that they're the real leader there. Yeah. Or just just because someone is in an elected office doesn't mean that they're the real leader. You've got to to do your work of determining where the decisions actually get made at. Who who are the influence makers here? And once you get into that informal leadership role, you really start to get a get a feel for what the culture is and and how you can operate. Well, and, and I think if you don't do that, so if you don't take the time, because you, you come to a new church, so you just moved your family there, you, you jumped in, you're, you're excited about going, and so you just hit the ground running. Yeah. And there's even uh, almost a, a sense in which there's an expectation to do that. The reality is, though, if you do that, I think you risk, um, long term, I think you risk damaging your opportunities at that church yeah. because you may come in and, and kill one of the so-called sacred cows um, very quickly and not even think it's a big deal not even really mean to do so but simply by not taking the time to understand what's going on you do that and it sets you back you know an extended period of time um in 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 the ministry itself and so i think when we when we take that time to kind of ease into the transition while being keenly aware constantly of again who are those decision makers who are the people in the church that the church respects who are you know the leaders that the church really look to for um, for guidance on those difficult issues i think that then makes it possible to um, minister much more effectively and i think it's one of the you know the the things i advocate for uh, a uh, extended you know stay at a church sure. because it gives you more time to to do that and to learn yeah. the church and if you know I just don't know i'm I'm still I've been the pastor um, here for for over five years now and I feel like there's still things that you're trying to navigate there's still people that you're trying to get to know better there's there's still things that uh, you know people hold on to uh, from from history that you you are affected by whether whether you even know it or yeah. not and so when you are aware of those things Absolutely. through studying your people it makes you a better pastor because you are you are more in tune with them and over time you really become part of them yeah. instead of kind of the outsider who's come in which is very much what you are at the beginning yeah yeah you were yeah yeah, yeah. I mean even if you're just from down the street you're still outside so I, I think you're right about that. And and the hard thing for, for most people in ministry is your your DNA is such or your your personality is such that you're a fix it kind of person. You're usually the answer guy. I mean as a pastor, as as a ministry leader, you're you're often the one out front that that gives the solution. So your tendency is to automatically you come into a new church, there's a problem, which there's gonna be and your your tendency is you're going to want to just go in and fix it right away, and you really have to kind of hold your tongue up front. And that that doesn't mean that you need to be passive, but you really need to kind of let some of those early conflicts start to play out a little bit before you jump in, because you need to see who who is it that steps up in this group, who is it that that really is 
is the one that's leading. Sometimes when you come in and fix the problem right away, you, it hides who the, the real people are behind you. Because honestly, you're never going to be able to fix every problem. So you need to know how a church operates. You need to know when when there's trouble, who do they call? When, when something breaks, what's the protocol? Who, who do they go through? And sometimes you just have to let those early conflicts kind of play out so you can see that. Yeah, yeah. So what would be your advice? So, you know, John Johnny Pastor over here gets called to a new church, and he's moving from a rural area to an urban area. So let's yeah. we'll do a couple different examples. So he's moving from yeah. rural area to urban area. What are some things that he needs to come in and look for immediately to begin understanding his culture? I, I think you need to you need to immediately start to think about who who is it that that moves the ball in this body? Who are the leaders that are key leaders? And, and you need to hang around them. And and don't be presumptuous early on. Don't don't sit there and say, well, I'm coming in. And I'm going to tell these guys how this is how we're going to run this. Just early on, say, listen, in the past, how did you how did you handle this? How how did you handle it if uh, there's a money problem? How did you handle it if um, the air conditioner broke? You know, those seem arbitrary, but a lot of times those are, you know, heating and air is going to be one of your most expensive maintenance things. So what happens when you have a $10,000 repair? Does that crush the church or is it, oh, no, we're well to do. We we just put it in and it's a good thing. You need to figure that out. It helps to, to know how things run. Um, I, I think you really need to look and see who, who is in leadership now. What's the structure? Start with um, Start with your educational programs. You, you probably already have Sunday school teachers. You already have children's leaders, those sorts of things. Start with them and see how do you how do you do it? What's your tradition? What's your what's your uh, program look like here? And and really get to where they are first. Um, you're right about saying five years. You know that used to be kind of the rule of thumb is it took about five years before a group would follow a new leader. Um, I don't know if that still is the case now or not. You know, technology plays on how we know each other, and I'm not sure if it adds or shortens that time, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. But but it does really make it um, where it's, it's going to take you a year or so to really just start to understand, like, why do these people do what they're wanting to do? Uh, a good leader is one that understands where his people are right now, and yet they also understand where they need to be. And so many times we want to get everybody going to where we need to be that we kind of leave behind who's here now. Um I, I think just as a general, before we start going into these specifics, that's I think about First uh, Corinthians nine when we uh, talk about cr- cross-cultural training, and that's really what it is in the church. You say, "For though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them." And Paul goes on to talk about to the Jews I became a Jew, to those under the law I became as one under the law, to those outside the law, um, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. I, I came to them as an outsider that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And he says in verse 22, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. I, mean, I think that's the key reminder is you've got to get in that culture. And, and to be able to say I became weak to the weak, that means you have to know that they're weak. Hmm. To say that... To say that I came to those who were under the law as though I was under the law, that means you have to know they were under the law. And uh, so your your first to-do list has got to be, how do I become one of them? Mm-hmm. How do I become part of the group? And so I would say, I mean, I think that's what you were saying, that yeah. that, that really applies 
regardless of where you're at. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, even if you're moving to, which this is probably not a good thing to do, but you're moving to the <laughs> church that's, you know, two blocks from your yeah. church, uh, that probably has its own set of yeah. um, issues, but, but it's still going to be different. Yeah. And so you're staying, you're pastoring a church within your hometown. It's going to be different. You're yeah. pastoring a church within the same geographical area uh, that you have always lived in. It's going to be different. Um, it's yeah. always different because each church, and I think this goes across, um, you know, denominational lines. Mm-hmm. I think this is even churches that maybe have a very um, orderly service where the service looks almost the same like a high in church every church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's going to apply there because yeah. you still have different people. You still Absolutely. have different leaders. You still have a different history. And so all yeah. of those things are going to make it different. Yeah. So so good general rule, uh, I think, is, is get yeah. to know your people. Spend the time to, to find out who they are, where they've come from, um, it, their dreams, where they yeah. want to go, um, the things that have hurt them in the past, the things that they have been blessed by and excited about yeah. uh in the past and 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 find out all those things yeah i know personally i always called it the table rule uh, in fact this is one of the things um when i came to uh, the daycare here at this church at first one of the things that i noticed is they didn't have uh there's a, a large room that's that's down in the bottom of the daycare but it just had chairs sitting around the walls and and what the table rule is is basically if there's a table with chairs around it, people will tend to sit around it. And especially if there's one or two people there, then more people will tend to sit around it. Um, what you got to do is you got to find where those tables are. When we came, when I came to the daycare to start with, one of the first things I did was put a table down there and sit there for lunch. Now that wasn't a common thing here. They didn't have this mass gathering, but after after a day or two, after they keep seeing people sitting out there and they start hearing conversation, they start hearing buzzes. Uh, laughing, that sort of thing, it becomes a kind of a place to be. If you're a new leader, you got to figure out where those where those places to be are. Um, if your church does Wednesday night suppers, you need to be eating at Wednesday night suppers. Um, I know the old call was, well, that's I need some time to spend with my family. Do that during the rest of the week. If there's a church meal, you need to be at that church meal. Um, if your church, one of the things they do here um, at your church, Michael, is to They'll have breakfast Sunday morning. You need to be there at breakfast on Sunday morning because where people are hanging out, that's where you want to be. Um, what helped me a lot in, in this environment, there, there's a, a fairly high <laughs> percentage of the population's retired or nearing retirement, so there's, there's usually big senior groups in this area. I would always go to senior lunches. I would go to senior breakfast. Um, you just need to be there and sit. Don't come in with an agenda. You're not necessarily coming in to, to uh, rally support for your cause. You're just coming in to get to know these people. And, and you'll be surprised after they get to know you, they'll be much more likely to come to you when they have issues. They'll be much more likely to, to help when you have needs in the projects you're working on. So I, I think that's a good general rule to add in. As you're getting to know these people, look for times when people are gathered. And if if they just don't do that, then find excuses to start putting tables in places around service times. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Find the time, make the time to to do that and to um, to make sure that you're engaged with them uh, in that. So what about some specifics? Are there some specific things that you see that might be different uh, moving 
um, urban to rural, rural to urban, north to, you know, I don't think either one of us really have a lot of experience with saying, you know, moving yeah. north to south. Uh, but just just church to church, uh, out, you know, not being a pastor to being a pastor, th- any things like that that kind of stick out to you? Yeah, especially in ministry. You know, if we're talking about pastors in particular, one of the things, um, this is going to sound like logistics, uh, but it, really the logistical kind of things are the, the early wins, the easy things to look out for. See how people relate to time. You, you need to know if, if a church is, is more, um, they don't start on time, they're just kind of lazy, you know, easy go, um, laid back kind of set up. You, you need to know that and, and know if you come in there trying to r- rush everybody and get them moving on time, you're automatically going to be a bad guy. Or vice versa, if, if you come into a church that is super sensitive to time, that's not the time to, to test out your new 55-minute sermon when when they are very conscious of a 30 or 40 minute sermon time. You gotta just know times. Do I need to be here on time? Do I need to to kinda have a a little bit laid back lead in? Do I need to be pretty strict on this? Um, Those sort of things are are really just logistical, but that's a good first start, good first starting step. I think culturally in terms of things like music, in terms of things like uh, dress, I think technology has really changed that there's not a significant difference in most rural churches today than there were in a lot of urban churches. Uh, by and large, this won't be everyone's experience, but by and large, people are more casual in general, whether it's a city church or more of a country church. So I, I don't know that it's as much of a deal. Of course, I always go with the, the same rule. You know, if I'm filling in at a church or if I come in, I, I always will ask, what, does, what do you wear? What is your... Uh, what is the first person on the stage wear? What's kind of the the stage attire? You, you want to know that, and and you know if if you're unsure of what they should wear, just just ask. You know what's the best dressed person in in this audience going to look like, and what's the average dressed person? If there's just one guy that wears a suit, and the rest rest are all in like shorts, you know you don't necessarily have to use the the suit guy as a um, outlier, but in general, you want to be about a step above where your congregation is in times, because because you are bringing you are the man who's bringing the word of God, and so um, you know just just logistical things like that will just help you in first impressions. Once you get past that, it's really just about getting to know people and knowing yeah. what's important. Yeah. Well, we've just got uh, a couple minutes left, and one of the things I wanted to mention is something that I touch on at the end of uh, the post uh, that is available. Uh, on our blog, justministry.org, uh, justministry.org, as uh, um, posted there about kind of a clarification at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the things that you don't do in this, in making every attempt to understand your culture, understand the culture of the church you're going into and the community, uh, because they're all unique, again, is that we don't compromise to fit the church. Um, I think it's something you want to discuss with them up front and be very clear about before you go and stand firmly on there. There are some essentials that are biblical essentials for the pastor and his role as the pastor that you don't compromise. So, you know, you don't um, preach something that is unbiblical because the church has always had this unbiblical sermon once a year where they just decided that heresy was you know was the topic of the day i guess uh that that was the thing you did is you just preach heresy as truth for a week 
um, you know, Heresy Sunday would be something you would want to cut out. Um, you know, you would want to you would want to diminish that. Uh, but you, you don't want to go overboard on that because I think sometimes as as pastors, especially if you're the type of pastor that you know likes to think theologically and systematically about your theology, um, everything can become an essential, and and so you know everything becomes yeah. a hell to die, and that's obviously not good. Uh, but those things that are essential to the faith, we don't compromise just because, say, the church wants to compromise that. Um, you know, you don't bring in unbiblical preachers just because uh, the last pastor did or because they're popular. Um, you know, with the music, if something is, again, heretical, you, you don't, you know, just promote it in your church. Now, if it's not what you like, but it's what they like and it's still biblical, there's that's where you have to, again, judge your culture yeah. and make those decisions. But we don't, um, we certainly don't um, want to compromise truth yeah. um, because of our culture. Man, that's such a hard, um, a lot of those battles early on are what you'll feel like are battles come because of the way you react to beliefs um, especially as the as pastors most most of us have gone through some kind of theological training uh, either Bible college or seminary or just a lot of self-study yourself and and um, man our tendency a lot of times is when we hear somebody come in and say something that's just doesn't line up with our our view uh, we, you're right that we make essentials out of non-essentials sometimes, but but we also um, we also sometimes don't know how to really handle that. And um, a lot of the things that get us in trouble early on in those adjustment periods come when somebody says something that we don't completely agree with, and rather than rather than taking a, a maybe say a humbler approach, yeah. yeah. Um, we just go after them and say, no, that's just terribly wrong. Like, you know, rather than showing why that's not the case, rather than showing why we don't believe that to be true, then we just kind of shame them yeah. and say, oh, that's terrible. We would never, that, that's so hard not to do that. I'm sure you probably had experiences like I have where where uh, you just accidentally jump down somebody's throat and like, oh, why did I do that? And yeah. it, that's that's a bridge you may have to cross that that you just burned yeah. <laughs> badly. <laughs> very much, very much. I, I think it's a place that we have to be very cautious, and it's definitely something that I would urge uh, a young pastor or an old pastor or a middle aged pastor yeah. to be very aware of. Is you know you may have received a lot more training. You you probably have received a lot more training yeah. in biblical theological studies than the people in your church, and be mindful of that and. If they are just wrong, you correct, even, but you do so gently. Um, and if it's kind of, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, they're a little off, but <laughs> it's really hard to explain to them how they're off and go through the whole thing. Yeah. Do so over time. And if you've done the work that we've talked about, you know, kind of for this whole episode about understanding your culture, it puts you in a better position than to um, demonstrate and to teach yeah. and to correct right. because they know where you're coming from and they know kind of your mindset. So, yeah. um, well, we are uh, out of time for this week's episode. We appreciate so much uh, you listening and uh, joining us on the Just Ministry uh, podcast. Uh, we look forward to uh, being with you again next week and uh, continuing uh, this discussion about ministry, about practical 
uh, ministry, how we work in our churches, how we encourage our churches, how we lead in our churches Mm -hmm. under the goodness and graciousness of Christ, that he has uh, called us um, to ministry, and uh, we hope that we can help equip you a little bit uh, for that. Uh, I'm Michael Pardue, uh, in with Justin Smith, and I hope you'll join us next week. Mm -hmm.